Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. David and Kay Arthur are coming to Brantford, Ontario this September. We want to invite you to join us at Central Baptist Church on September 6th and 7th for a two-day conference that you won't want to miss. David and Kay will be bringing a timely message on holding fast through suffering and trials using the book of 1 Peter. Registration is open and tickets are going fast. The cost for this conference is only $79, and with a limited number of seats available, you will want to register soon. Register online on our website or by calling our office at 877-234-2030. Has your life been changed by inductive Bible study? Why not invite someone to learn the inductive method by taking part in one of our many workshops happening across Canada? Interested in hosting a workshop in your church? Contact our events team today by emailing training at preceptministries.ca and bring the transforming power of God's Word to your community. In February, we launched our Thrive Building campaign to help meet the financial needs of this new building that God has blessed us with. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us? You can find out more information about the Thrive Building campaign, as well as watch a video tour of our new facility by visiting us online at www.preceptministries.ca slash thrive. Coming up on July 15th to 20th, we will be having our summer study week here in Brantford, Ontario. Whether you're interested in learning the essentials of inductive Bible study or learning how to lead a Bible study class, there's a workshop for everyone. Check out all the different workshops happening that week on our website, www.preceptministries.ca, and sign up today. To stay up to date with everything happening at the ministry, visit us online on our website or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now stay tuned for Episode 8 of the Covenant Podcast. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here with Derek K. Mink, uh, Unlocking the Truth Podcast on Covenant, Episode number 8. Good to have you with us, Derek. Good to be here again, Mark. I am uh, thoroughly enjoying working our way through Covenant uh, study series, and um, how about you? It's been a fantastic study. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that I was able to to study this when I came on, and uh, it's it's certainly changed the way that, that I look at Scripture, uh, kind of in, in every way now. Absolutely. And in, in our staff, we're currently going through the book of Hebrews as well. And Hebrews is kind of just all, you know, comes in there with better covenant, yeah. comparison of the old covenant to the new covenant. And uh, maybe one day, one day we'll do a podcast on Hebrews. That Ooh, would be, be fun. fantastic. And four years later, we'd That's be finished. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're glad you were with us. Uh, we're going to open our time in prayer. And then uh, I got a great question for Derek. It's a real mind buster that we're going to start with. Father, we come before you and we are so thankful for this time that we have in uh, this uh, subject of covenant, Lord. Father, we thank you for the examples that we've seen in Abraham and David and Jonathan, the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And Father, how your scripture is so well knit together that uh, you can't have the the New Testament without the Old Testament. And Father, you uh, have just brought your story and weaved it together so well 
So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have uh, to study and learn more about you. And, Father, we pray that uh, even in the discussion that we have, that uh, this would be fruitful for your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Derek, are you ready? I'm, I am as prepared as I'm going to be. All right. So, you know, um, my father-in-law and I were, were chatting this past week, and I don't know if you watch Jeopardy. But I do, yeah. there's this guy who's on Jeopardy right now. And uh, we should date this because, you know, <laughs> in case people archive this, it's May 2019. Yeah. But this guy, he's on Jeopardy and he's won like $1.2 or $1.3 million. Yeah. His strategy in this has always been to pick the high dollar amounts mm -hmm. and then work his way around it. And, and uh, my father-in-law was telling me last night that this guy has already won the game by the first commercial break. Mm -hmm. Like, so he's got so much knowledge yeah. coming out of his uh, brain when it comes to all these different questions. There's even been some Bible questions that I didn't know. Oh, you know? Wow. What's one of the four horses that was named, a horseman that was named in the book of Revelation? And I was like... <laughs> oh my gosh time to study revelation oh again, my Mark. gosh I, well who is it and anyway if you're wondering out there it's death death is go. the one that's named but uh anyway so this question is on that level of like you know final jeopardy mm -hmm. type of questions and boy if you get this wrong we're going to be in some serious trouble we should probably just not just shut continue it down with the, with the podcast anymore <sighs> no okay. pressure are you ready i'm ready okay what does everlasting mean can I phone a friend? <laughs> you, you, that's the wrong game show. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> when I think of everlasting, I think that it is something that lasts forever. You know, that's probably right. Oh, Theo. You know, I mean, you just won the final Jeopardy question. This is the thing. I, we were just joking before we began recording. I remember as a child, there was this battery called Everlast mm -hmm. that usually died first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here in this case, what we're talking about is everlasting lasts forever. Mm -hmm. There's no end to that. Yeah. And uh, this week's podcast, what we want to look at is how covenant lasts and passes from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought it'd be really good to start with this theory called supersessionism. Supersessionism. Or better known as replacement theology. Okay. And so replacement theology, this is the belief of replacement theology. It essentially teaches that the church, the New Testament church, has replaced Israel in God's plan. And so that means that people who believe in replacement theology believe that the Jews are no longer God's chosen people and God does not have a specific future plan for the nation of Israel. Okay. Now, there are some beliefs, and I ran into this just about a month and a half ago, that along this line of this um, replacement theology is it's because of they rejected the coming Messiah mm -hmm. and they missed the Messiah's coming. And 
you know, I also heard this past uh, couple weeks that this theory, and I'd never heard of it before, that the uh, Sermon on the Mount was put on pause, that there's no application for the church today, but that the application only comes for, for the Jewish people because mm -hmm. that was a sermon for the Jewish people. In light of all this, what it comes down to is there are a number of different doctrines and beliefs that come out of man's interpretations of Scripture, but they're not always right interpretations of Scripture. And I would uh, wager to say that replacement theology does not align with Scripture. You can see how um, <clears throat> just focusing on what it says in the New Testament, if you just read um, certain snippets of the Gospels um, or, the, or the, the letters of Paul, you can see how people could make that conclusion. Um, but I think a full understanding of, of Scripture um, without pulling pieces apart Putting it all together, I don't think you could ever get to a place to say that um, that the people of of Israel, the Jewish people, uh, ever cease to become God's chosen people. Um, and so it's I can see how people get there, um, but I think they're just not finished in their thinking through of uh, of what the implications of that would be. Yeah, I think that's why covenant is so important to study. Mm -hmm. Because as we study covenant, we learn that the scriptures weave so well together that we know that in the end, Jesus is really the fulfillment of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so I want to read before we start and we go back and go back to the beginning of our covenant time together. Yeah. Galatians chapter 316, and this is the point that Paul was making. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to the seeds. So if we go back to the very beginning, the mm -hmm. seed that he's, God's referring to way back with Abraham is Jesus. That's right. And he doesn't say to the descendants along. Yeah. But now he says in 16, and to the seeds, referring to many, but rather to the one, and mm -hmm. to your seed, that is Jesus Christ. And so the covenant promise that came in through Abraham relates all the way back through to uh, the life of Jesus. It doesn't necessarily mean that because the Jews have, as Paul calls it, the veil over their eyes, that there's no future for Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, you're looking at the news uh, in the past couple weeks of, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, hundreds mm -hmm. of rockets being fired uh, from the Gaza Strip into Israel. And there's this protection of Israel and even the United States coming along the side of Israel. We know Israel became a nation again, which is a part of that biblical prophecies. And so God has a plan for mm -hmm. Israel. We know in the book of Revelation, God has a plan for Israel. And so... Uh, they're sort of, you don't want to say they're running parallel, but you know that Israel and the Jewish people have never, they're not out of the covenant. Mm -hmm. Why are they not out of the covenant? Because we got to go back to your Jeopardy question yeah. at the very beginning, which was Abraham's covenant is everlasting. Everlasting. So let's go and look at um, 
these uh, passages in the book of Genesis and show that uh, this is an everlasting covenant that comes with uh, Abraham and God. So we'll start with Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, and we have the beginning of this covenant. And he says in Genesis 12, verse 2, God was speaking to Abram. He said, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And so that's the beginning of this covenant that he had. He had no children at this time, mm-hmm. but the promise was that he would be a great nation, and, and uh, you can't be a nation of one. You've got to have a group of people in that. So this time, we know that his wife was barren, and he was about 75 years old. Now, God continues to progressively reveal this covenant promise to Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 4. And what does it say? Uh, He says, Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and that's Abraham, um, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, uh, Look toward the heavens and count the stars. If you're able to count them, he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So we've got now here that... I love verse 6, you know, he's counted as righteous Mm -hmm. because he believed. But we've got, again, this promise that he would have an heir born of his house or of his blood, and uh, that not only would he have one heir, but what would he have? Well, he'd have many, as, as numerous as the stars in the sky. It says, if you can count them, that's how many there will be. That's right. The The covenant promise continues to uh, reveal itself in Genesis chapter 17. And we now know 17 verse 1, 99 years old, God appeared to him and said that he's the Lord God Almighty. uh, Walk before me and be blameless. I'll establish my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. He's going to have many heirs. Mm -hmm. Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold my covenant with you, and you will be my father of a multitude of nations. uh, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I will make you a father of a multitude of nations, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you uh, make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and who? Your descendants. Your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. So we know that the covenant promise for Abraham was going to be land and an heir. Mm -hmm. Then God reveals that it's not just land and one heir, but that it's a multitude of people that Mm -hmm. will come out of him. And that he will not only have, uh, you know, this son that would be born to him, but there would be nations and the nations would bring kings. Mm -hmm. But then this covenant would pass from 
Abraham to the descendants and would continue to pass forever. Everlasting. That means that even with the, the church coming on the scene in the book of Acts after Jesus you know, ascends into heaven, mm -hmm. it does not replace this covenant that has been put in place with Abraham. Yeah. Because then if it was replaced and it was gone, this covenant from Genesis when Jesus was gone, it wouldn't be an everlasting right. covenant. So let's continue on and look at how this um, covenant passes from one person to the next. Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter 21. So in, in 21, we have, um, <clears throat> we have the, this is when things are starting to happen. The promise came many years ago. And uh, in verse 21, it says, the Lord took note uh, of Sarah as he had said, um, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived, bore a son to Abraham in his old age, and at the appointed time on which God had spoken to him, uh, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was about 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So we've got here... The very interesting part of this is if you know this entire story of mm -hmm. Abraham, you know that he's had a son before Isaac. Yeah. He's had Ishmael with Hagar. Yeah. But the promise of the covenant does not pass to Ishmael. Mm -hmm. The covenant passes from Abraham to Isaac, who is the true heir mm -hmm. of him and Sarah. Genesis chapter 22. Summarize Genesis 22. This is the most interesting part of this son being born and what God does next. Yeah, so Abraham finally gets his the son of promise. Everything that God has promised him is wrapped up in this person in Isaac. So uh, the blessing, the land, everything is wrapped up in this, this one boy. Um, and so then after a while, after a few years, uh, God says, Abraham, take your son, and you're going to go and sacrifice him. Uh, and Abraham, as a man of faith, does what God calls him to do. He takes his son, and they go up the mountain, and, uh, and Abraham is about to kill uh, his son, um, who is not just a son, as if that wasn't enough, um, but is... It, this is where all of the promises of God lie. Everything that God has told Abraham up to this point about uh, this covenant, this everlasting covenant, uh, is about to be killed at his, at his own hand. And as he's about to do so, God stops him, sends an angel to stop him from killing his son and then provides um, a ram for this sacrifice and for this offering. And this is called a test. Uh, and, and God was testing Abraham's faith. Was Abraham's faith in the promises that God made in Isaac? Was Isaac going to become the thing which Abraham uh, put all of his faith in? Or was his faith in 
God, the one who made those promises. And uh, Abraham's actions uh, proved to the Lord that his faith was not just in what he was going to receive because of this covenant, it was in God, the one who made the covenant. It's amazing. So when we look at this Abrahamic covenant, we we know that through this, and we didn't read this part of the passage in Genesis 17, but we know the sign of the covenant was circumcision. Mm-hmm. So you you are circumcised, you know, you're a part of the covenant, and we uh, that's the outward showing of this, you know, pact that's been made between God and Abraham. Right. Uh, then we saw that the seed um, would come through Isaac, and we saw also that God, what you just said, God tested Abraham in his mm-hmm. faith. Uh, but Exodus. Uh, and we will summarize Exodus because I'll give you the passage, but Exodus chapter 4, verses 24 to 26. And in that passage, this is Moses. And the story is regarding Moses and circumcision and that his son was not circumcised at this point. Mm-hmm. So Exodus uh, chapter 4, let me just get there for you and uh, make sure we give you the right 20, 24 to 26. He says, now it came about a lodging place on the way to uh, on the way to the Lord, met him and sought to put him to death. So Moses, you're getting put to death. Why are you getting put to death? Well, because you haven't sacrificed, you haven't uh, circumcised your son. Mm-hmm. And so uh, verse 25 says, Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet and said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. And at this, he said, you are the bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. So even in the time of Moses, God was seeking to put Moses to death because he had not taken on the sign of the covenant in his son. Mm -hmm. So it shows us again, and we've looked at this before, the serious of covenant, but it also shows the passing of the covenant from one descendant to the next descendant. And Mm -hmm. so it kept on passing through. We want to go to a real specific story because our covenant um, podcast started at the very beginning with Jonathan and David. Mm-hmm. And so we want to go back to Jonathan and David and uh, pick up where uh, they are. We know First Samuel chapter 16 that the Lord had rejected Saul from being king of Israel uh, because he was disobedient. Uh, Samuel anointed David to be king and... Uh, we also know in that wonderful passage in Second Samuel that God looks at the inside and God looks at the heart and not the outward appearance of the man. Yeah. Uh, you know, we also know that in that passage that a harmful and terrorizing spirit overtook Saul and Saul wanted to kill David. And then in 1 Samuel 18 to 20, David and Jonathan, they make a covenant together where Jonathan makes the covenant with David because he loved him so much that uh, if you remember this, he took, his, he took his jacket off, he took off his belt, and he put on all of this, inform- all of this clothing. And, and when we talked about this in the covenant uh, podcast, we talked about two becoming one, mm-hmm. identifying with one another, and the covenant that's in place. But now we pick up where it's much later on in this uh, covenant in chapter First uh, Samuel chapter 31. And this comes after numerous times where Jonathan has kept the covenant and protected David from attacks from Saul. And what happens in First Samuel 31? 
Well, what we're what we see in in this chapter is well is the end of the end of Saul. He's he goes into battle, and uh, his his son Jonathan is is with him as they as they go into this final battle, um, and both uh, Saul and and Jonathan are killed in this battle, and so we have this this covenant relationship between um, between Jonathan and David. Uh, once Jonathan uh, is is dead, once once his his life ends, um, you would think that uh, that this that this covenant would be would be over as well. Um, but we see as we as we continue to look, we see uh, David doing some things that are actually uh, counter to what you would expect when you think the covenant is over. What's really funny is when. When these men kill Saul and the Amalekites bring Saul's head to David, mm-hmm. David doesn't go, yes, my enemy's dead. No, yeah. he, tore, he tears his robe in mourning that yeah. he's, he's been killed. Um, we also know in 2 Samuel chapter 4 that uh, uh, Saul's son, King uh, Ishbosheth, was killed. Mm-hmm. And when uh, they brought his head to David, uh, David killed them for murdering a righteous man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, David um, was holding his end of the bargain for protecting, protecting the family. But we've got uh, this great example, which we wanted to show you um, in 2 Samuel chapter 9. David, how did David remain faithful to the covenant um, uh, that he had, he had with Jonathan? And it comes through the life of uh, Mephibosheth, mm-hmm. Jonathan's son, who was crippled and needed a nurse. And so, Derek, what what did God do, or what did David do, uh, to keep the covenant with um, Jonathan through Mephibosheth? Yeah. So what we see is is um, Mephibosheth comes to uh, David and falls on his face, lays down before him, uh, and says, "I am your servant." Um, and so this is the grandson of his, uh, of his greatest enemy, of the man who, uh, who spared no expense to try and end his life uh, because he was threatened um, because David was the, the anointed king and, and Saul wanted to remain that way. Um, but when you look at, at how he responds, every time someone comes to him with uh, another offspring of Saul and says, look what we've done for you, O king, uh, he's not happy about it. Um, and in this one, we see uh, Mephibosheth come before him, and David says to him, as this as this this boy is is laying down in front of him, um, falling at at his at his feet, and and just uh, desiring nothing but mercy. David looks at him and says, "Do not fear. I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and will restore you to all the land of your grandfather Saul." And you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, Mephibosheth prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? And then uh, the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. You shall bring in the produce Uh, so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. 
Um, now Ziba had 15 sons and, and 20 servants, and he says that he's going to do everything that, um, that he has been told to do. And it says that Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. And he, and he lived in Jerusalem, and he ate there regularly. Uh, and so what we see is this relationship between David and Jonathan, this covenant that was made, uh, extends uh, even to his son, this, uh, this boy who um, represents a couple of things for David, sort of the, the, the last one uh, of Saul's line um, who, was, who was trying to destroy him. Uh, but also a, a touchstone back to, to his very good and dear friend in Jonathan. Uh, and so because, he says, because of Jonathan, I will show you this kindness, uh, and basically um, gives him back all the land that should be his, uh, gives him a servant to, to work it all because he couldn't do it himself because he was lame, and, and then basically adopts him as his, as his own child, brings him into his own home, and, uh, and he, like it says, he eats at, his, at the king's table regularly. What I love about this story from uh, 2 Samuel is the very fact that David went and sought out somebody in the bloodline to continue the covenant. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it could have been so easy for David to say, well, Saul, Saul's dead, Jonathan's dead, so the covenant ends and right. I don't have to continue on. But the fact is that he... You know, and you know, Ishbosheth was killed as well. So, but he went and sought down the bloodline mm-hmm. to find somebody that he could kind of bless with the love that came out of the covenant in the very first place. Which, you know, it's David showing that kindness and that long, steadfast love that yeah. he had from the very beginning. And that brings me back to God, you know, and I think about the example that David has uh, here, and what we have here is we've got God. Why would God change Mm -hmm. his mind when he's put in place an everlasting covenant uh, from the very beginning? Why would God, when the, the beginning of the church came into formation and Christian believers, you know, they started to you know, come like an ax in the thousands mm-hmm. into, and now millions of Christians all around the world. Why would God just let those Jewish people go? Would there not be a time, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, in the future mm-hmm. before his return where God would extend his grace and mercy with the gospel message yeah. uh, for the Jewish people? That's why... Um, they were there in the beginning, and why wouldn't they be there in the end? That's yeah. what I don't really grasp about, about this idea of replacement theology, is that God would take a 180 yeah. and leave yeah. the people who he set out and set apart from the very beginning. He didn't leave them after 400 years in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't leave them in captivity in Babylon. Yeah. You know, he all the plan has always been for the Jewish people to repent and return and come back into right relationship with Jesus yeah. God, uh, with Jesus Christ, uh, through Jesus, sorry. Uh, old covenant, new covenant, same message. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've looked in our Hebrews, it's just a different way of approaching God. That's right. So uh, any, any other thoughts on kind of where we see the character of God in this? Well, I think what's interesting is if you just look at, listen to the words of Jesus, he says that I came 
for the Jew first, and, and then the Greek, then the Gentile. Uh, so if, if God was bringing Jesus in order to bring uh, a, new, a new covenant to only new people, why would Jesus say he's there for the Jews? Mm-hmm. Because God's heart is still with them. And his, his desire was to bring them back. The reason he brought Jesus was because the law wasn't doing it. And so he needed uh, to give a new way in order to bring those people back to him. We are fortunate enough that's, that God's love is so much greater that he includes us in that new covenant. But Jesus says, I came for the Jew first. There are times even when, when Gentiles come to him and he says, yeah, I, I guess, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here mm-hmm. to save the Jewish people, not to destroy them, uh, not, to, not, to, not to end things for them, but to give them a way to come to God once again. Right. And that's what I think is the application for this podcast that we've got this week. Because if we're believers in Jesus Christ, you know, we, we call ourselves Christians mm-hmm. and we're living our day-to-day lives for the glory of God and to, you know, be more and more like Jesus. I think what we should be called to do in this is we should be called to fervent prayer for the Jewish people mm-hmm. and those who have missed the first coming of the Messiah. Right. And, and specifically, you know, and I've taken a few trips to Israel and, and to look at how diligent the Jewish people are in trying to hold the laws, mm-hmm. you know, the, the prayers and the, and the laws that the rabbis have put in place and live according to the, the first five books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jewish people probably have better prayer lives than we do because yeah. morning, morning, noon, and night, they're you know, making their way. Men, I've watched men, Jewish men, who have worked all day, get on the bus mm-hmm. and make their way to the Wailing Wall to pray before they even go home. Yeah. You know, I've looked at um, flights to Israel where Jewish men are binding the word on their arms and on their forehead and they're, you know, working through this religious religiosity kind of deal where they're going through all the motions of trying to be in right position with God and yet missing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we're called to pray because I firmly believe that when I study the book of Revelation, there is a time and a place where the gospel will be even clearer for the Jew and the Jew will come to a saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. They'll be given that opportunity. And so we need to pray for that. We need to pray that the spirit would soften their hearts to receive the gospel that when we see things in this world going on in israel that we pay attention mm-hmm. to that there's a reason that you know we want to make sure that we stand with israel because those are god's people mm-hmm. they're god's chosen people from the very beginning they are a part of the everlasting covenant that god made with the jews and we've been grafted into that yeah. covenant as we learn from Ephesians that we've become uh, one through the blood of Christ, mm-hmm. and we need to pray that the veil would be removed. So that's my challenge for you this week, is pray for Israel. Pray for the Jewish people that they would receive the gospel, because we know that the covenant passes from descendant to descendant and generation to generation forever. Mm-hmm. Why don't you pray, Derek? Almighty God, we, we thank you for the kind of God you are, that you are faithful, um, more faithful than we could ever be. And when you say that something is everlasting, 
Um, it is not just lip service. It is you're not you're not speaking in exaggerated tones in order to make a point. When you say that the covenant with Abraham was everlasting, then it then it is to last forever for him and for his descendants. Um, that a time will come uh, when when the the earth will be blessed, and that's that's the the most beautiful thing about that that covenant is that. Um, the promise was that all families on earth will be blessed through uh, through the seed of Abraham, that is your son, Jesus Christ. And so even in that initial covenant, yes, it is for the Jews, it is for Abraham's descendants, but it is for us as well. I pray that, um, that we will think through the things that we are told. Um, I pray that we will... Um, hold those things that are that are said to be true up against the truth of the word so we can know what actually is the truth i pray for the jewish people for the suffering that they go through even today um, i pray that your holy spirit will be will be with them um, that they will come to know the truth of the gospel in a very real way that they will understand that uh, the messiah they are waiting for has already come uh, and that the, the way that in which they uh, attempt to approach God um, is no longer necessary and they have been given a, a new way and a better way uh, for you to dwell with them in their hearts through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. So God, I thank you again for your faithfulness, uh, that, that you, when you say something, you mean it and we can, we can take it as the truth. We pray this all in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.